Welcome to the Target Oxbridge podcast, the podcast where we demystify the universities of Oxford and Cambridge and share tips on how to improve your chances of getting into Oxbridge. My name is Naomi Kalman and I'm the founder of Target Oxbridge. Target Oxbridge is a programme that has been running since 2012 to help Black, African and Caribbean students to gain places at Oxford and Cambridge. We've helped over 280 students to gain places so far, and so we've gathered quite a bit of experience over the years. The aim of this podcast is to share the information and top tips that we've gathered with students, parents and teachers, as well as sharing the stories of people who have studied there. For this next series, we'll be sharing our top tips on how to get in for some of the most popular Oxbridge courses. To continue with our series on competitive and popular Oxbridge subjects, I'm joined today by Zuti Obede, who is a second year medicine student at Cambridge, and he's actually just finished his exams this year and done really well in the pandemic. So we're really being joined by someone who can give good advice. And we're going to be talking about all of his top tips for getting a place on a medicine course at Cambridge. Hi Zuti, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. I'm good, thanks. I'll just mention it. I've got the vaccine, um, so just enjoying summer. Good. We like a vaccinated summer. That is very good. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> and um, congratulations on ending your second year so well, considering all of the Thank difficulties you. that this year has brought. Thank you so much. Thank you. It would be good to hear a bit about sort of how you've kept so focused and I'm sure you were just as focused when applying. So I'm sure all our listeners will love to hear how you do it, basically, you know, achieving all these amazing things under difficult circumstances. Thank you. I'll try my hardest. <laughs> try my best. <laughs> all right. Well, what I wanted to do, first of all, is just to talk a bit about how you decided that medicine was right mm. for you. Because if anyone's listened to previous episodes of this podcast, I speak a lot about the importance of getting the right fit for you when, when it comes to choosing a course because if you're going to write a personal statement sit an admissions assessment get to interview and convince admissions tutors Oxford and Cambridge that you're the right student for the course it really has to be a course that you really really love mm. and I think that's the starting point so to begin with what got you interested in medicine yeah um for me it's um I wish I had a story that was you know really um inspiring um but I, I'd say for me the the thing that probably got me um interested was um the fact that in school um you know I was someone who likes to learn about the human body um I like my science and maths um and although it's quite cliche um I think it was from then um I, I sort of thought in your turn um what kind of courses would um fit the kind of person that I am so um, from that kind of an initial interest in sciences, I was thinking, okay, maybe I could go into biochemistry or biomed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, of course, because I come from a Nigerian household, there's always the kind of, <laughs> kind of you know, medicine law, engineering, et cetera. Um, however, um, I was quite lucky in the sense that my parents weren't really um, so pushy. So I think the, the I guess the kind of, switch for me was um we had a talk by by someone um, who came in I think he was a a medical student and um, I think he went to, to my school and he was just talking about his course and I thought okay this sounds quite interesting um and I think it was only when I did work experience later I'm sure I can mention that later on um but it was only like yeah it was only when I kind of did work experience 
um, and I wasn't put off <laughs> um, as well. I decided, okay, um, this career um, is very interesting. Um, you get to obviously use your um, academic skills, um, but you also get to interact um, with loads of people essentially. Um, and I think because medicine's so kind of broad and uh, it has like a, a wide range, you could be a GP, a surgeon, a medic, etc. Um, I think for me, I decided that, okay, if I decided I want to do medicine now, then later on, I could really find a specialty that works for me. Um, but to, to summarize, yeah, it was really just like an interest in, in science and just loving just how um, the, the kind of human body works. And I kind of want to, to, I want to kind of learn more about it, but also apply it later on. Sounds good. It sounds like you had the opportunity to hear about the course beforehand, which can really be helpful when making a decision. You referred to the, the fact that medicine was, uh, I guess, in your household, maybe quite an obvious route, but it sounds as if you also made sure that it was the right yeah. fit as opposed to just following it, which is a really key thing because for Target Oxbridge, for example, we get maybe a thousand applications a year from black students and about mm. a quarter of those are from people who want to study medicine, which is huge. It's yeah, so a lot. popular. Yeah, it's so popular with black students. And I think there is that sort of parental keenness for medicine. There is a sort of... Yeah, interesting way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> parental <Yeah>. keenness. <laughs> um, and there's, there's, you know, there's a sort of... Um, culturally, it's, it's looked upon as prestigious. It's, it's something mm. to be very proud of. And it, it's a brilliant profession. And what I always say is if it's the right fit, then we're really keen to support students into it. But when it's not the right fit, it's quite difficult to do well in the process. And it's also quite mm. difficult to get through the course. You know, the oh, of course. Years of commitment. And so we're here today to give top tips to anyone who wants to be a medicine student. But I think also to talk about how to know if it's right for you to ensure that students aren't pursuing something really competitive and, mm. you know, really requiring commitment when actually they might be happier doing a biology or biochemistry or biomedicine degree all of which are also really interesting yeah valid. of course you know it's biologists and biochemists who've got vaccines this year exactly yeah. exactly yeah you can still go and change the world and help people with those different routes so for you when you were looking at the oxford and cambridge medicine courses what stood out for you in terms of how different those courses were and what you had to really decide on to make sure it was a good fit. Yeah, I'd say the thing that probably drew me the most was the fact that it was a traditional course. So um, I guess like as, as a bit of um, some context, I guess, in, in the UK, you get your, there's lots of different um, ways to study medicine. Um, if you go to you know, like Oxford um, and Cambridge, then the traditional course is, is typically a, a sharp split between the first three years, which is preclinical so you kind of learn about the science your anatomy biochemistry physiology so on and so forth and then your final three years you then get to um, use what you've learned and then you go to wards however in a lot of med schools now it's a more integrated approach um, where you see people in first year and second year and um, they might have like let's say one day out in the wards um, and, and with me um, I did like to um, like for me I think the science aspects um, and the fact that it's, you're not you're just kind of learning facts, um, you're kind of thinking about why it is the way that it is. Um, I think that was what drew me most into Oxbridge um, and knowing that I wanted to um, kind of learn, kind of, I guess, 
think about um you know the evidence behind um the the kind of stuff that we know now um which is definitely emphasized a lot in the course um that, that it was probably that that made me think okay i probably want to go for the oxbridge course um and as well as obviously with, with, with oxbridge like the whole college system the the fact that the the university and the city itself are, are really linked um i think those things kind of just made me think of the oxbridge experience as a whole um and because it, it kind of fit with the way that i wanted to study medicine i thought okay this probably is the, the like the course that i would really like to study great and i'm guessing it's not for everybody not everybody wants to go and study medicine and have three years focused on sort of academic study with no practical element in terms of going on the ward and seeing patients yeah of course in fact i think there's, there's quite i guess i was mentioning earlier but there's quite a few people in my course now who are quite disillusioned with the whole um science focus um and if i'm telling people now if you want to study medicine oxford really expect there's going to be very 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 little um contacts um if you're okay with that which i'm i'm fine i'm fine with that um then it's it's okay and um, i still enjoy the course and um, eventually you will see patients um but some people are definitely quite shocked um even though they know that the the, the patient contact is quite is not a lot they're still quite shocked in the first year um we had two visits to a gp um we had one visit in first term and another visit in second term and then in second year well we're meant to visit a hospital um so we really we're really out here doing the bare minimum um but i guess the logic behind it is that once you then go to towards in fourth year then you really you really know like the um preclinical side a lot yes because i was about to ask the fact that you've got that academic focus it must mean that you're getting a really good grounding in the science and if you're somebody who's interested in that scientific element it must be very interesting from that perspective 100 percent, definitely great okay well i think that's that's something for listeners to take away and to really think honestly about because this isn't just about chasing prestige you know it's, it's great to go to Oxbridge but if what you really want is to be seeing patients from day one you need to know that the Oxford and Cambridge courses are not going to do that for you and that's mm. by design and you can get a brilliant experience from an academic study perspective with patients turning up a few years later but that won't be for everyone and that's that's the first thing I think to really think about and be honest about the next thing I think is is just the fact that it is quite competitive so Oxford actually publishes the average number of A-stars that people tend to have at GCSE. And most successful Oxford medicine applicants have around 10 A-stars at GCSE. That's a means of wow. people with more. There will, people, there will be people with fewer. It's not that you have to have 10, but it's to show that this is a high achieving group. When you were applying for medicine and you were applying at Cambridge, you must have known it was quite competitive. How did you approach that and what was your mindset oh yeah of course yeah and um i think um I, I guess there's probably like a section of this later on but um i think part of the reason why i chose cambridge of oxford is that um, they, they usually tend to do a lot more um culling i, I guess um in the pre-interview stage there's, there's of course the gcse requirements and uh, and i guess in terms of my grades it was fine but it was the fact that they also used um the BMAT as well, um, which is something that was a bit more, I guess, variable. Um, but anyway, I, I think 
yeah, it's definitely something that um that you look at and you think, how on earth am I going to get you know two A stars and A? Um, because for for Cambridge, um, that that's what you you need, um, and especially if 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 for example that your teachers um don't really predict you those grades in the first place, then it's it's quite it's quite hard to kind of um aspire to um to to reach those uh, two A stars and A. But I guess for me, I could think. I think what helped me um, was trying to get the best place grades that I could um, in terms of mocks um, and trying to really help to, um, I guess, make my relationships with teachers um, as good as possible. Because, um, you know, like, eventually it's, it's going to be them who's going to decide, okay, you're going to get an A-star in maths, et cetera. Um, so I tried to, to work hard on that, work hard on my grades. Um, and once you have those predictive grades, um, then you can then start working on um and, and so on and so forth um but yeah it's definitely quite tough definitely quite tough but i think a good starting point is getting those pictured grades right because for many that can be a like a hurdle that they can't can't pass and of course if you don't have the right grades to apply and um, then you can't apply in the first place yes i think that's right and sometimes we have younger listeners who are just starting out on their GCSEs, and i think the key thing there is to remember that they, they do matter and the harder you can work, and you know, this is always whilst taking care of yourself and not burning out, but if you can make sure you do your best at your GCSEs, that puts you in a better position when you start looking to apply for university. Because medicine is competitive at all institutions, not just Oxford and Cambridge. So mm-hmm. it's always about doing your best and making sure that you know you put your all into it, whilst keeping okay. enough juice in the tank to make it through the rest of school. Oh yeah, because this is just a start. <laughs> just yeah, the beginning. It's just a start. So I always say it's a marathon, not a sprint. So you don't want to, you know, burn yourself out and not be able to make it through the next stage. But you just yeah. want that consistent, and that's the vibe that I'm getting from you—a sort of consistent, committed effort, basically, at, at all stages. Mm, exactly. I think if to add one more thing, actually, um, so I think what helped me as well was probably just realizing that, you know, there's only like some things that that you can um control i guess so i think if you see each, each kind of stage as um like a i guess you could try to break down the whole thing into stages so for example if you're in year 11 then what you can control is you can try and get the the grades that you need right now try and get the best grades that, that you can get and then once you've done gcc's move into a levels um work on your a levels essentially once those are done um well once you've done your first year anyway you can then work on the admissions test so rather than seeing the whole thing as like i must do everything at once um some people especially um they kind of say when should i start revising for the you can't be mad two years earlier i'm like you haven't done your gcse's yet please <laughs> just wait and you know try and work on that first and then step by step eventually um that will kind of help to break down the whole thing and give you the energy i guess to keep going I think, I think that's good advice. I sometimes get questions from people who are still at, you know, year seven, year eight, year nine, um, asking about those things. And my advice is always do the best you can with the stage that you're at, and then you're building foundations for going forward. So yeah, I, I completely agree. So you started speaking about the process when you touched on the test, but before we get onto those elements, I want to talk a little bit about how you were doing your further study and further research to one really confirm that you wanted to go down this academic route for the medicine course but then also to start gathering information for a personal statement was there anything that you remember being really helpful when you were doing your research um i guess you can if we were trying if we were to um 
to break it down into how do I know that the academic side was right for me. Um, one thing that I did in, I think it was in year 10 or year 11, I entered an essay competition. Um, it was also about how the, um, how teenage brains and adult brains are quite different. Um, and I think it was sort of like a national competition. Um, in the end, I didn't win, which is fine. Like that wasn't the whole point, but I think the process of writing that, um, I was, I was thinking, okay, this is, this is quite interesting. Um, and of course, in, second year this year when we actually started to look at the brain and it was so so interesting because I could see the stuff that I wrote about in year 10 and I was learning about it now I was like oh okay this is how it actually works um but I was thinking that in in year 11 so I still find it very very um cool exciting um so that helps me to decide that um I know that something academic was right and then as for the medicine side because of course you can you can learn that in a neuroscience course or in a um a biomed course um how, how come you want to do medicine instead um I think it was only when I did um work experience in volunteering um I think though those two things really helped me to see how that knowledge would translate into making other people feel better um and of course I think when you actually work as a junior doctor etc um most of your job isn't about, you know, saying, okay, this, 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 um, this protein is working on this thing. Therefore, I need to choose, you know, this, this drug, etc. Is that's not how it works. You're more working using guidelines and principles, and most of your, um, I guess, your day-to-day life is interacting with others. And I think it was only when I saw that usually um, the patients were grateful, they were thankful, they're like, oh, thank you so much. I mean, I really enjoy. I'm not really enjoy, but I, I was really um, grateful for the surgery that, that I've just done. Um, that kind of sense of doing something that is fulfilling that was what made me think okay as well as this scientific stuff I also want to work with people as well in in this way it's great you had that opportunity it's a difficult one at the moment for some students who are trying to prepare now in the pandemic because they can't go and do those placements but for future years it would maybe be helpful for people to know how you got hold of a placement how did you go about doing that um, yeah, I think I was going to mention, actually, I think um, there's a online placement that you can do. I think it's called the Brighton, I think Brighton and Sussex Medical School are doing virtual work experience. Um, so if, if you're if you're listening and you're 12, um, have a look at that. And I think there's some kind of um, uh, stuff online that you can do. But um, if it were a normal year, what, what I did for work experience is I, I, I emailed lots of consultants in the trust that was in my area um I, I must email so many um and I got aired by all of them apart from one <laughs> um so and this is at St Thomas's Hospital um and she was she was really nice the consultant was um Dr Catherine Henderson she was very happy to take on people um so yeah I emailed her um and she managed to give me a place at St Thomas's and of course if you know anyone of course I know that not everyone has um friends who, who know people but if you do happen to have a friend in your school who their parents maybe are friends with um, a consultant somewhere, then it's, you know if you ask, um, then at least like you'll you'll know whether um, you you can stay in like a ward for a few days. Um, so for um, so some hospitals, um, I managed to ask friends to ask their parents who then ask their friends. Um, so um, yeah, in that sense, have a look um, at the people around you and, and use any contacts you might have. 
That's really good advice. And I like the fact that you said that they aired you for the most part. Of that. Oh, really? No way. <laughs> because I think people can get really discouraged in, in um, you know, in normal times when they're emailing around and they're not getting something straight away. But that's that's how it goes. And it's, again, about that consistency and that dedication. And, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get. And sometimes you ask and people say no, and that's fine. You just need one. So it's just about keeping going. And I'm glad that you had that ability to sort of persevere and keep pushing. Mm. So when it came to reading and getting ready for your personal statement, were there any texts or journals or podcasts or documentaries that you found helpful and that you'd recommend people take a look at? Yeah. Um, so in terms of books, um, the two two ones that I read um, and I kind of um, mentioned in my personal statement was the first one was um, this book called do no harm and it's by henry marsh um and i guess the, the, the point of these books is you're not there they're not there for you to just read and say i've read this check i've read this check um you want to kind of take some kind of lesson or theme that you notice in the book um and mention how that's um kind of affected your decision to study medicine so in, in that book though the main theme was about choosing whether to operate or not um and i think it was a concept that i didn't fully i guess appreciate until afterwards um and the the main takeaway I learned was that sometimes not operating is fine um and you know there are reasons xyz so that that was really helpful for getting like a theme across um in terms of ethics as well there's another book called um when breath becomes air and I think it's by Dr Paul Kalanithi and the the I guess the um the main theme of the book is a, a doctor why he's a neurosurgeon actually and he gets a brain tumor I think um, and he, he kind of just writes about how that uh, you know affects his life um, and again there's, there's lots of things from that book where you can draw on and you don't have to draw on loads of themes just one kind of main theme that you thought was interesting um, to write about um, so those are two books I mentioned there's lots out there one podcast that I listened to um, was the I think it was called the student BMJ um, and they just have lots of they, they have lots of guests on where they talk about uh medical students and being a doctor etc um so there's this um, the stuff on there that you can glean about what it's actually like to to work um uh especially it's useful especially if you haven't actually been able to get work experience um so you can mention stuff that you learned on there as well great that's a really good list of resources and when we're working with students on target oxbridge because when you're writing a personal statement and you're aiming for oxbridge we're always keen that those statements include some some sort of hard science as well, because all the things that you've mentioned are, are brilliant and you need to be able to demonstrate in your personal statement that you understand what it's like to work as a doctor, what the NHS has to be thinking about, what it's like to care for people. But because you're applying for Oxford, you also have to show an interest in that sort of academic side when it when it comes down to just the raw science. Do you remember anything that you wrote about? And you might not because it's a while ago. Yeah. Any, anywhere that you went to sort of further your understanding of the, the science of medicine beyond your A-levels? Yeah, no, that, that's a good point that you mentioned. That. Um, so there was, I think I had a, a um, subscription to the biological scientists. I, I can't remember, I'm forgetting what, what the, the, thing, the thing was called, but I think it's the, either the, new scientists or it, it was essentially like a um 
magazine about stuff that they um it, i think it was, it was by the royal society um and they had kind of um some articles that were actually quite accessible um and and maybe let's say you're learning about protein synthesis in school i mean they might have like an article about how i guess um ribosomes are imaged etc and different kind of techniques um so i think the new scientist has has lots of stuff like that um the one the one i use um, which is quite surprising actually was the bbc health app so if, if there was um let's say some kind of case i think i looked at um i, I, I must have read an article about um this disease um i want to say it's epidermolysis bullosa um not i'm not 100 sure but um the point of it was i looked at it and i saw how it was, it was it was affecting someone i thought this disease sounds quite interesting um so from there i kind of looked at um some articles on it um i think i went to pubmed um, which is quite high level but i think um the point of it was just to to look at the research around it um and i just i, I just kind of use the internet as well to because i'm there's lots of different articles um on any kind of disease um that you're interested in so the bbc health app was a, a useful one for me because it would give me a starting point for something that i thought was interesting and then from there i'd go on the internet and then research into it um and i think in my school i wrote a, a short little um article about treatments for that condition um to kind of show that i was i was um one it was something that i found quite interesting and two because as, as you're as you're ex exactly right um when you apply to oxbridge they're wanting to kind of have some kind of scientific flair i guess so i managed to um work that into my personal statement as well brilliant i love that you were sharing the sort of journey that you went on in terms of finding out about you know a disease or an ailment that was interesting and then doing further research into it from multiple sources that's what we really recommend when trying to pull together a personal statement you just don't you don't just write i learned about this it was interesting you share exactly by going off and doing these things so that's really good before we move on to admissions assessments in the BMAT, do you have any top tips that you'd give for writing a personal statement? My main one is to have a clear structure. Um, so it doesn't exactly, it, there's not really a prescriptive thing. Um, as long as you have something mentioned about your motivation, work experience, et cetera. Um, and I guess for Oxford, you mentioned that you want to have something about science as well. If it has a good, clear structure, um, then that's a good starting point. Um, number two, I'd probably say that if you can, um, try and make it into a narrative of how your motivation can, can lead into doing work experience. And that could then lead into volunteering, which could then lead into a scientific thing because you saw something there that thought, okay, this is, is um, quite cool, quite interesting. Let me have a look into it. Um, let me have a look at it more. Because if you can turn it into a narrative and a story, one, it is nicer to read, but also it's, it's sort of like, um, it, it kind of shows how every kind of choice that you've made has made sense. It's not something where you said, one day I woke up, the sky was blue. I decided, yes, I'll be a neurosurgeon. Because obviously <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. But um, although it's a hard skill, if you can try and pull what you've done together in a narrative, then it makes the personal statement flow. Um, and of course, the third thing I would say is that um, when, when you're writing it as well, bear in mind that you do want to have some, um, it's important to kind of get feedback but you don't want to give your statement to too many people especially when the feedback you know is contradictory because in my post statement I gave it to two people it was completely contradictory advice and I thought wow so now what um so <laughs> so um if you get something that's kind of 
conflicting then remember it is yours so do try and make it personal um there's not something that they're looking for you don't have to sound like you're you know you you know um like you, you basically know everything um you know because because you're still young so if you can give it to people from feedback but take it with a grain of salt that's a, you know something that i find is quite useful i think that's good advice and i always advise when you're asking somebody for advice just have a think about their expertise so if people are disagreeing you know it might be that you gave someone your statement because they're really good at grammar and you need someone to help you check your grammar but they might not exactly. be an expert when it comes to science but you might have somebody checking it who knows much more about science but you might also give it to someone who's helped lots of people get into Oxbridge and therefore it would be good to take their advice on the things that are important from an Oxbridge perspective so always ask yourself what is this person's expertise and if you have had conflicting advice go for the thing that aligns most with their expertise and that tends to help when you exactly yeah mm. and the one thing I wanted to add is that, um, when I whenever I went on um a, a kind of a I guess work experience then the, the I think what I did was um I'd ask some kind of junior doctor around say hey I'm applying and um, would it be okay for you if you had a a look um and usually they're, they're quite happy to help because um the best feedback I got were either from medical students or from junior doctors um because they, they can give you stuff that's useful and they, they can give you some more tips as well so if you're on a placement and um, it's fine to ask them and say can you give me some help with this great all right well let's get on to the bmat because i know you want to talk about it and i know that whenever i speak to students they want to talk about it yeah. um so shall we just say what the bmat is for anyone who's new to thinking about oxbridge admissions yeah of course so, um, so it stands for the biomedical admissions test um and it's essentially a test that you take um in year 13 which comprises of three sections so section one is about critical thinking um and just kind of your reasoning skills um section two is a scientific um part which is is based loose, loosely based about um is, is based around your gcses and section three is a um essay and of course you can't see my face but i'm, I'm doing an essay and quotation marks because it's really just like a extended writing task um, and you get a score um from section one and two out of from zero to nine typically the average is around four ish four and a half and in the essay you get a score from, from a to e which grades your your writing um and it's just something that um medical schools can use um as part of the um i guess uh admissions so to help them to ascertain which students that they want to take and Oxford and Cambridge both use the BMAT, don't they? Yes, yes. There is a different test that if you're looking into medicine, you'll become aware of, which is the UCAT. UCAT, yeah. Yeah. It's funny because in um, my day, law, I'm funny if I say in my day, it was the UK CAT, um, but it's the UCAT now. Yes, that's why I was pausing because it, it's been yeah, they've changed it. <laughs> <laughs> since I first started doing this. But that that's something that people often take first and then they often take the BMAT after. For Oxford and Cambridge, the BMAT is the, the specific test. How did you go about preparing for it? That's the question people always ask me. How do I prep for the BMAT? Yeah, um, so I think uh, I started in September. Um, so you want to give yourself about a month. Um, for section one, what I did was um, I had a look at the past papers available on the website. Um, and because it's in I guess it's, it's meant to be an aptitude test. So um, you'll, I think you'll see that um, if you do like 
a couple of your score will improve a lot. But then um, after like, a, a you know, let's say you've done three or four, your score won't improve that much. So I think what, what I did was um, I look at the past papers um, and I, my main tip to everyone um, is always to do it under time conditions. Um, I guess the, the, the first few that you're doing um, doesn't have to be timed, but as you're kind of approaching the actual test day, you want to do it timed because your performance timed, um, for me anyway, was quite similar to how I actually um, performed on the actual day. So um, the main, main thing is to do time practice. Um, and then for section one as well, the kind of style of questions is, is very similar to the TSA. So that's the thinking skills assessment, um, which is something that they give to people who want to apply to Oxford um, for, for certain courses. Um, so if you want to get more practice questions for that, then ha ha have, a, have, a, have a look at that um, and that should help you. I think that my third main tip is whatever kind of strategy that you have to approach the questions, because in section one, it's really a mixture of like assessing the, the strength of an argument or it can be some calculations, et cetera. Um, if you have a strategy to approach that, whether that be you look at the answers first and then you look at the question, um, then stick to it and, and see how see how that works. Because with, with some people, they they find that reading the short passage and then looking at the answers works. But with other people, it's the, the opposite. They look at the question and then they scan the text. Um, so you have a month to kind of work out which approach works best for you. And then for section two, the, the main thing, again, of course, is to practice timed. Um, but also have a look at the specification that they have because if you go on the website it will tell you which stuff you actually need to know um, and of course there's some people who don't even know you know kind of the, the stuff that they're going to be assessed on so the first step is always to look at that and see whether your the course you've done at GCSE um, actually covers that because I know for me um, in my course we didn't cover the nitrogen cycle but of course on, on there on the spec for BMAT it was on there so of course I had to go and learn it um, and the thing is, there was a question on it as well. So can you imagine if I hadn't looked at that, then I would have just looked at the question the exam. <laughs> look at like an egg. So definitely have a look at that so you know what you need to know. And then finally, for the essay section, just have some kind of practice, um, I suppose. That it's, it's not something to worry about too much. Um, however, you want to see how much you can write in half an hour. It, the paper that you get is really small. So if you look on the website, you can print out a copy um, and you, you'll quickly realise that you can... You can um, fill it up completely in about 10 minutes. So planning is key. Um, and there's some resources online. There's a book that's called, um, I think, BMAT Work Solutions, which has some essay plans on there, as well as answers, um, which explain the logic behind section one and section two. Um, so if you can get a hand on that book, that would be useful. And um, your school might have it already um, and use their kind of information on there to practice, practice timed. That is some really thorough advice. I don't really actually have any follow-up questions. <laughs> you've, covered, you've covered basically all of it. I really agree with the point about practice being the key thing, doing that early so that you're not doing it at the last minute and looking at the specification. The only thing I often add is when you take a test, preferably under time conditions, mark it and then ask yourself, where did I lose marks? am I losing marks on the same type of question every time? And if the answer is yes, then you know that's another area for you to either practice more or as has been mentioned, going away and doing some more learning or reminding mm. yourself of something. So I think that's, that's exactly. the key thing. 
just making sure that you don't just sit the paper and put it in a drawer. You use that over and over again to keep keep improving. Improving, exactly. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, that brings us on to the last bit of the process. And I always say bit because it's not the last stage as such, because Oxford and Cambridge look at everything all together. But the interview feels to people like the last thing because it happens last in the sequence. How did you prepare for your interview and how did it go? Yeah, um, so the, the I think the, the main thing I did was um, I had mock interviews from my mentors. Um, I was part of, of course, I was part of Target Oxbridge, um, which was very helpful. Um, but I think I was part of like a different scheme as well. So the, the the best prep that I had was mock interviews because firstly, um, you it kind of shows you what you're like under stressful situations. Um, I think with me, if I'm stressed, I tend to say I'm a lot, etc. I, I tend to gesticulate a lot with my hands as well. And it's something that they make you, um, they, they kind of say, okay, hey, um, you know, um, if you're talking, then you might want to stop moving your hands around so much. And I was like, okay, that, that's useful advice. Um, and secondly, it gives you a chance to practice something that you don't really do at school, which is to explain a concept out loud to someone. Um, so as well as having the mock interviews, um, in, in class, I would try to um, put my hand up a lot more. Of course, it's very awkward, it's very embarrassing, but I, I'll try to put my hand up a lot more if there was a question posed. Um, and I'd uh, I'd kind of just try to explain the concept that the teacher would, was, um, yeah, if, if there was a question about like, for instance, I would try and explain it that gives you some practice um as well um and as for how the interviews went i had three they were um 15 minute interviews they're quite short and it was very very nerve-wracking um for sure but um i think it was really just um a chance for them to see what you're like and for me i tried to be as enthusiastic as i could um i tried to kind of explain my thought processes um and it was yeah it was, it was quite fun actually it was quite fun um but you know you, you never really know how the interviews will go so um, as long as you're being yourself when you show enthusiasm, that's probably the, the most important thing I tend to say to people, be enthusiastic as you can, because they they, 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 love, they love, you know, learning about proteins, et cetera. Um, that, might, that might not be your thing, but at least if you can try to be enthusiastic about it, then they'll be like, okay, this is someone that I would, I'd like to teach. Um, so yeah, that was a, a, a brief overview of my interview experience. <laughs> Yeah, and no, people might be surprised to hear you say that they were actually quite fun. But the reality is you're going in to have a relatively short chat about a subject that you're meant to love. So yeah. it can, even though it's challenging, if you enjoy your subject and you enjoy learning, they normally give you some quite interesting questions about things that you don't know about or you haven't thought about, but you can think about in the moment. Can exactly. you remember by any chance, and you might have forgotten, but can you remember any of the questions or any of the topics that came up in your interview? I think um, the first question that they asked me was something I definitely don't expect because um, <laughs> I'm thinking about it now. Um, it, they, I think the first question was like, oh, tell me about your field trip. So in, in year 12, um, if you do, um, I think it was for, what's it called? For biology, yeah, that's it. Um, we had a field trip somewhere um and she was just like tell me about the field trip and I was I was a bit shocked because I was like um are we in a medicine interview or what um but eventually like she got I think the point of the question was to just to talk about like designing an experiment whatsoever um but I thought that was a bit odd um and the other thing that I found was odd as well in that same interview was asking about your favorite pathogen um and you're thinking like okay so pathogens are bad so <laughs> are you asking me to go <laughs> my favorite one <laughs> 
um so i was like okay this is interesting but you know you kind of sit you think um i think the first thing that came to my mind was um mycobacterium tuberculosis so the thing that causes tb um and thankfully because i looked at the bbc health app the week before and there was about tuberculosis i did read up about um the bacteria so you can see hopefully how, how it links and you know it was a bit serendipitous but um it, it just it, it goes to show that stuff that you read randomly might come in handy um so i managed to talk a bit about it and <laughs> and tried to talk about how it was just amazing <laughs> but um of course the point of it wasn't to say this pathogen is brilliant it's you know more talking about how pathogens are kind of good um evolutionarily etc cetera, etc cetera. um so yeah there's there's a few more but um those are the two ones that i thought were quite interesting thanks for providing that insight because i think people who haven't been through an oxbridge interview can't really understand what exactly they are until they hear some mm. example questions and hopefully what people can pick up from your examples is that they are interesting questions that nobody can really know the answer to in advance but you can draw on the different things that you know from all the different things you've read and learned about over the years which is why I always stress just being absorbed in your subject so the things you were doing out of genuine interest going onto the BBC Health app mm. reading the new scientist just always absorbing things that are relevant to your subject and because you like them because when they ask yeah. you a question in the interview at first you might think hmm, I don't know the answer but then you can get into your mind and think about all the stuff you've picked up and something will connect and that's what they want to see somebody who can connect different ideas draw links between things to come up with an answer to a really novel question exactly exactly um and yeah exactly what we said there's no like um right or wrong because i think when the person when you kind of asked you know what's your favorite question um you could tell that he was like yes you know i want to see how this person does it you know, <laughs> to answer it um but yeah like even if you didn't even if you hadn't um read up on on anything there's definitely some stuff in your course even through gcse that you can use to talk about it and really try to break down what do you mean by favorite pathogen you know and then you can start from there and kind of work on things on first principles um which is usually what i what i did when i didn't know the answer to questions which is you know <laughs> for, for the interviews there's quite a few questions that i didn't know the answer to but you know you, you tried anyway yeah and you can ask questions which people get surprised about but the, these interviews are meant to mirror a tutorial or a supervision as you would have at cambridge so it's meant to mirror that small group teaching and if they ask you a question and you need to clarify some things you want to make sure you've understood the definition of a word you can do that and that, that demonstrates how you think. So they're also interested to see what sort of thing you asked. So you don't have to just go for it. You can ask questions. Sometimes you'll get it wrong. I made a, a bunch of wrong, wrong suggestions in my interview. <laughs> and that is fine. I'm not, you know, at that point I wasn't used to getting things wrong being a good thing. But the reality is it's a learning process. And if you get stuff wrong, they can see the direction you're thinking and they can nudge you in the right direction. And so that's all part of the process. Exactly. Brilliant. Well, we're coming up to the end of our time. I think we've covered everything in terms of top tips for getting in for medicine. Is there anything you think we haven't covered? There was just one thing I wanted to mention for it's a bit, I guess it's not really niche, but um in terms of the choosing which A levels, um, because I had a look at the website for Cambridge, um, and of course they, they do require um either you know one of um everyone has to have chemistry but um choosing between biology physics maths um 
further maths as well. Um, because I think some people tend to ask like which A levels um are the best and which A levels um you know would help me the most. My advice to people choosing which A levels um is to, first of all you need to have a look at the, the requirements on there. Um, and with Cambridge in particular, um, while chemistry is required, um, and you need at least two of either biology, maths, physics, or further maths, um, people usually tend to, um, people usually tend to have the three sciences, um, not because you actually require them. I think I mentioned two. I think I actually meant one. So you can have biology, chemistry, and something else, but people tend to do usually have biology, chemistry, and maths, um, because on the website it was. Or say on there that um, something like 95% of people tend to have um, three sciences and they're more successful than people who have two. Um, so it's not that they're going to discriminate against you if you have two, but looking at the, the stats um, on there, it will show that people who do have three tend to have a higher success rate. So it's something to think about because like we said at the start, choosing the right um, A-levels is important um, and you don't want to miss out because your A-level choices um, wasn't something that was as helpful as it could have been. Thank you for picking up that up because it's a really important point. From what I've seen over the almost 10 years I've been doing this is generally speaking, biology, chemistry, maths is the, the most competitive combination of three A-levels. Of course, if you're doing four A-levels, you can put something else on there as well. But yeah. sometimes people try to apply without maths and it is technically possible. And I'm sure there are some people who do get in, but the, the chances are much, much lower. And what you have exactly. to think is you're going up against other people. And so if they're approaching the BMAT and they're approaching the interview with a mathematical background because they've been doing it for two years, mm. they're going to perform better in those elements of the process than you, unless you've managed somehow to keep your maths at a similar level to them. And so the biology chemistry maths combo is the one that I always recommend if people ask. And if you're applying for medicine at Oxbridge without a maths A level, um, but you have had a chance to take it. I just, I would really ask yourself, you know, what can I be doing to put myself okay. in the best position? Yeah, and it's also if the course contains lots of maths. It really doesn't, but I think it's just the skills that, that you gain uh, tends to be, be more, you know, um, helpful for interviewing and just for it, it, for the admissions test as well in general. Yeah, yes, and it's just it's just a realistic thing. So again, everyone's an individual and you take the decision that's best for you. But here at Target Oxbridge, we'd like to give you the realism. And the realism is that most successful applicants do have, us, as has been mm. said, at least two maths A-levels, if you're taking A-levels, and that mm. maths included within that, alongside the chemistry and ideally the biology as well. Mm. Great. Well, to end, I always ask my guests to share a top tip that they'd give their 16-year-old self. And for this series, we're all focused on getting in and doing well in the process. So is there one top tip that you'd like to give your 16 year old self before you started this application process? I'd probably say my, my top tip is um, to get your um, A-level predicted grades um, as high as you can, um, because um, one, um, it's, it's something that, that, that you need to, to apply to the course, um, but um, definitely working hard in, in school and trying to show that your teachers, that you're someone who is motivated, it can definitely help um, later in the that team when they start to do UCAS stuff. So um, if you can um, try and really work hard on that, that first year of A-levels, so that um, the, I guess the, the hardest part is, is done then. Um, and I guess it's, it's, it's kind of a bit, it's, it's cheating a little bit, but my second top tip <laughs> is to um, try and find some like-minded people um, who can definitely inspire you, motivate you and keep you kind of, I guess, 
it, it kind of keeps you working hard because the journey, like we've said, is definitely a marathon. And if you can have people who are kind of working towards the same thing as you, um, you're not only applying to medicine, but you're applying to medicine at Oxford or um, at Cambridge, um, it can definitely be something that helps you to keep inspired, keep, keep motivated and just keep working hard. Thank you. You cheated a bit there, but it was a good second one, so I'll, I'll, I'll allow it. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of your insights and all of your tips. I'm sure people will find it really, really helpful. And thank you for taking the time today. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our friends at Rare, Clifford Chance, Linklaters, McKinsey and Jane Street for making this podcast possible. We hope that you'll share this episode with friends and family who might find it useful. And don't forget to rate and subscribe wherever you find your podcasts. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at, at Target Oxbridge. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you next time.